You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the VolQuest podcast where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest podcast, VolQuest.com, and on the VolQuest YouTube channel. I'm Eric Kane with Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubbs. Got plenty to get into here today. It was a busy day for Tennessee football in relations to the transfer portal. We'll start from the top at 1 o'clock, Austin Price. Tennessee got a wide receiver from the transfer portal, former Oregon Duck, Dante Thornton, a guy that Tennessee's been after for quite some time. He came in for an official visit over the weekend, left with good impressions, and Tennessee now has length and speed in the the wide receiver room to add on to what's already there. Yeah, uh, you know, speed's never had a bad day, right, Hubber? And, you know, you know, that's a big thing Josh Heupel looks for. And, um, you know, when, when they started, you know, kind of looking at the – receivers in the transfer portal, Ra Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett, two guys ended up at Georgia. The number one guy for Josh Heupel was always Dante Thornton. And Kelsey Pope went and saw Dante last month uh, when they were out on the road. I had a nice in-home. Um, you know, Dante always, you know, kind of felt a connection to Tennessee, loved the offense. As you heard him in my interview, uh, you know, on the site, like you know, he watched the Orange Bowl uh, eagerly to kind of, you know, kind of start imagining and picturing what he would look like in Tennessee's offense. And, you know, he, he got excited watching Joe Milton throw deep balls. So, um, you know, Tennessee did a really nice job with Dante Thornton and they get that one across the finish line. Interesting, Austin. That's three years in a row, basically, uh, three off seasons that Josh Heupel has brought in a transfer wide receiver. When you go back to Javante Payton, Brew McCoy, and now here, um, what's the message to to Chaz Nimrod, to to Caleb Webb, uh, and those guys in the room when you when you do this? Is there a message there, or is this just simply Tennessee felt like they needed a wide receiver and they went and got the best one that the one that they liked the most? Yeah, I mean, I think that. Uh... You know, every year you take a quarterback, you know, in, in, in recruiting, it almost feels like that's what it'll be for the transfer receivers for Coach Eibel. You know, he, he, he likes, you know, guys that can run. And, and Dante spoke to him with his ability to uh, get vertical. And, and I think that's a big thing. I, the message to those players is just continue to work. I mean, you know, everybody wants this instant gratification where, you know, if they're not playing right away, they're ready to go to the portal. Um, and, and, and you have to balance that, but in a, in a certain way, you know, let's say they play a little bit this fall and then all of a sudden they become, you know, if, if they are who you, you know, thought they were coming out of high school, then they become, you know, those guys a year from now, um, you know, cause brew and Ramel will move on. And then who knows if Dante has a big year, I mean, you know, I mean, he may look to move on cause he'll be eligible to. So, you know, that's kind of my line of thinking is you got to continue to, you know, bring those players along. But I do think it's paramount, no matter what position you coach uh, at Tennessee or any other school, you have to push and, and develop your guys to get on the field as quick as possible. Because if you don't, they'll be looking 
to getting that portal really, really quick, which is why, you know, if you're Rodney Garner, you're pushing Tyree Weathersby and Tyree West and David Hobbs and, and, and all those younger D linemen as much as you can. You know, if you're BJ, you're pushing, you know, those young linebackers as much as you can. That doesn't mean you can't work in and sprinkle in some veterans, but you've got to see what you have in those younger players because sitting around waiting on, you know, somebody to graduate, like let's say safety, you can end up losing, you know, you know, talented guys beneath them. You know, Rob, I think this is interesting because Dante Thornton can play. He's versatile. He can play inside in the slot. I think he screams outside receiver. He's every bit of six foot four, two hundred pounds, long, lengthy, explosive. But you can line him up, line him up in some different spots. Um, you know, coming back for Tennessee, obviously Squirrel White has performed well in the slots the last two games of the season. You have Brew on one side, you have Romel Keaton on the other. This is a good problem to have if you got you know some too many cooks in the kitchen, if you will, because you have options. But with Tennessee primarily just playing three guys, I think it is kind of interesting. Ramel Keaton's not a superstar, but he stepped up for Tennessee in a big way this year. Oh, every time Ramel Keaton gets an opportunity, he takes advantage of it. But that, yeah. that receiver room, it's like it's like Lord of the Flies. I mean, it's you know <laughs> he's going to play three guys, maybe maybe four, if top. So I mean, I think the the message. Like Hubbard was asking a minute ago, the message I think is that man, it's survival of the fittest. I mean, if you, you know, if you don't deserve it and earn it, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna play you just so we can have a six man rotation. We've proven that in, in two years, and we've also proven that we can play three guys and you know play play three. Man, those three guys can play at a pretty high level. Hey, look, here's one guy that just won the Belichick Award doing it. So Tennessee does get a wide receiver in the boat. It was, uh, you know, they targeted him for quite some time. He slow played things. I was here this past weekend. Tennessee solidified it with Dante Thornton, now a part of the wide receiver room. That was the fifth addition from the transfer portal. Now we move on to 4 o'clock Eastern time in the afternoon, and Tennessee added to the defensive side of the football and defensive lineman Omar Norman Lott, who again was on campus this past weekend. Tennessee did a good job there. And Austin with Norman Lott, they're getting an experienced guy that's got about 44 tackles, four sacks, seven TFLs in the last two years. A guy that's very familiar with Rodney Garner and a guy that should help the interior at the three-tech or the shade uh, for this Tennessee line moving forward. Well, he's someone who's got an attitude that Rodney Garner uh, gravitates towards. You know, it's not about him. It's about the team. It's about the defensive line room. He talked uh, openly about, you know, Coach Garner's done a great job with that line. That, that defensive line room and he's here to just add to it you know and, and and that's what coach Garner wants to hear like you know hey man I may play you 55 snaps I may play you 15 snaps but you know I, I'm here to do whatever you need me to do um and 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 you know he's just kind of got a, a certain attitude and, and like you know a positive attitude um that he carries himself with I, I found myself sitting there talking to him you know for 15 or 20 minutes after we you know completed the interview and He's talking about not, not even football. So he was talking about all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, and, and it was very thought provoking. You know, he, he clearly a smart kid and, you know, he really, he, he really enjoyed Rodney Garner a year ago when he got in the portal. And, you know, there were things that Coach Garner told him then, even though he went back to Arizona State when he got in this time, it was a natural vibe once Coach Garner said, hey, man, I'm still here. You know, and he talked about, you know, Coach Coach Garner is a man of his word. You know, he told me, he'd, you know, would, you know, treat me a certain way. He's always treated me that way. And, you know, I think Tennessee's getting someone who's got a high motor. Um, 
and again, someone who can, you know, be a nice addition to the defensive line. Brent, I think this is a guy too that um, I feel like it's been Tennessee for a long time, right? I mean, you don't hear m many chatter about other programs kind of really in this. Now, I'm sure there were, but the relationship with Rodney Gardner from last year at this point in time continued on this year at this point in time. He's a guy when I talked to him on Sunday, super excited to be uh, at Tennessee, saying this is, you know, when I came on my, my visit over the weekend. First time I've been here to the East. Uh, there's a massive facility. The coaching staff, they, they, they speak truthness into you. Seemed like a guy that's really excited and a guy that's got multiple years as well because there are some veterans in that defensive line room to where Omar Norman Law can be here for, for at least two years. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. And again, that one was a little easier for Tennessee because they had the prior relationship because he was in the portal last year and, and visited with Tennessee. Th think about this, guys. I mean, he been, went through a lot at Arizona State, right? So he's looking for what? Stability. He's looking for some honesty. He's looking for some direction uh, and, and a clear culture that, that and an identity of what you're going to be. Nobody knows what you really are at Arizona State, okay, because of everything that they've been through. So I, I think the stability factor at Tennessee and the fact that Rodney Garner's message this year, as Austin said, was the same message as it was a year ago probably resonates with a kid who's heard a lot of different messages the last couple of years at Arizona State, which has prompted him to look around. So Tennessee gets two of those, Rob Lewis, a wide receiver and a, a defensive lineman. And then at 7 o'clock last night, Tennessee added a third from the transfer portal and an offensive tackle, John Campbell, formerly of Miami. Uh, Tennessee won out over Florida and Florida State in the sweepstakes. I uh, had him on campus earlier in the weekend, kind of started off his weekend where he ended at Florida. But, Rob, Tennessee needed another tackle body at the minimum, and Tennessee got a guy that they, they kind of channeled in on early on in the process and John Campbell. Yeah, and, you know, AP's been talking about the need for tackle bodies for, forever and, and you know, what you're looking for in the portal. And um, so Nat Nagana guy or Nabine guy from a, you know, Power 5 program like that that's played I, I think is big. And, and to Hubbard's point from a minute ago, how ironic is it that just two years into Heupel's tenure – after everything we've all seen for a decade, when kids are looking for stability, Tennessee kind of sta stands out. You know, that's sort of the strength of this program when it was the, it had been the exact opposite of, of that for so long. But I, mean, I think you're right when you have kids that have been through it in college where the coaching changes, position changes, not, you know, not being treated right. And then, you know, Tennessee kind of stands out for being what you're looking for in that regard. I, I think that says a lot about what Josh Josh Heupel has has been able to do with what was a really, you know, not a great situation when he got here. Awesome. Tell us a little, little bit more about John Campbell. He's a guy that's been in college for quite some time. This would actually, 2023, would technically be his sixth year in college. Um, it's a guy that's played an awful lot, played as a redshirt freshman and sophomore, missed the 2021 season with injury, started at left tackle this past year for Miami. What is Tennessee getting in offensive tackle John Campbell? Well, just some experience, you know. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's hard to replicate, you know, what Darnell Wright gave you. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, he's going to just be like, oh, just plug, plug him in. He's going to look the same. That, I don't believe that. Um, but, again, he brings experience. Yeah, the staff obviously, um, you know, coveted another tackle. You know, they, 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 they signed Larry Johnson, you know, back in December, Juco kid. Um, but they, they needed another tackle. And, and that this was one that, you know, once he went in the portal because his connection with Joe Milton um, and his connection with, uh, you know, one of Hype's former players, um, it just made some sense to, you know, for him to come take a look. And, you know, and that's, you know, kind of 
the crux of you know it, this trending the way it trended late. So um, again, Tennessee needed another tackle, and they get that other tackle. Yeah, and and again, I mean, I think it's a situation where Tennessee targeted him, Austin, much like they did at the receiver position. They put all their all their eggs in this basket. Um, you know, they they passed on the kid from Rhode Island um, and, and kind of said we're we're sort of pushing all of our chips into the middle of the table for this, and this is what we want. And, and Tennessee was fortunate enough, uh, despite a tough recruiting visit from a travel standpoint, to be able to get this one across the finish line. Um, risk reward for Tennessee. They took the chance, kind of bypass it on some other guys, even though they had to have a tackle body and it ended up with the guy that they wanted the most. So Tennessee now with seven players from the transfer portal, making it three for three on Monday afternoon with Omar Norman Lott, Dante Thornton, and John Campbell. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now you look at, uh, let's dial back a little bit, uh, Eric Berry. It was announced on Monday afternoon that he is going to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, becoming, what is it, Brent Hubbs, the 22nd member of the Tennessee family? Yeah, I think that's the 22nd member to go into the College Football Hall of Fame and uh, a most deserving honor for Eric Berry, uh, one of my all-time favorites. Um, Rob, I think back to the phone call you gave me when he was at the Nike camp as a <laughs> high school kid um, who was, you know, in high school at, at Creekside, he played you know, quarterback, he played defensive back. And, it, and I, I remember you called said, hey, I'm logging this story on um, on Eric Berry. We knew who Eric Berry was, but, Rob, I don't think anybody knew what exactly Eric Berry was until that day. Was that not a cast on his he was hand? Wearing, he had broken his hand, like, in the long jump pit. Racing, you know, broke, it, broke his hand or his wrist, whatever. I mean, he had on a he had on a cast. I mean, it wasn't a brace. It was a cast. There was actual plaster there. I mean, it wasn't a club like somebody would play with, but he had an actual brace on his hand and was just – you know, showed up. This is back when the rivals and, and Nike partnered to do these camps. And it was at on Georgia's campus. And Eric was just, I, I think, going to show up and, you know, take some pictures and maybe, you know, for, for rivals purposes, do a couple of interviews. And, and there were probably some Nike All-American people there that, that, you know, wanted to interview him. And, you know, at that time, that would have been a big springboard into the U.S. Army All-American game. Long story short, kids are running 40s. They're electronically timed. And, Eric, you know, just, I, you know, there, he's, there's a lot of people there, you know, there's a lot of top players from the South. And Did he Willie Mays haze that thing, Rob? He Willie Mays haze that. He's wearing a backpack. He's walking around just talking to people. And then all of a sudden I see him take the backpack off. And I don't think really even stretched that much. And, you know, got down with this cast on and ripped off. I think it was a 4-3-3, Hubber, if I remember right. And it was it was a jaw dropper. I mean, <laughs> there were I mean, and there were some dudes there that, you know, that day. Remember Andre Smith that played – Alabama played in the NFL forever. Harrison Smith, 
was there. So a couple, you know, pretty good NFL safeties right in line together to run that 40. But he, that was, that was a mic drop when, when EB popped his backpack off and got down there with his, with his plaster cast and, and, and popped off a sub four, four. There's been some good Tennessee football players over the years. Don't get me wrong. There's been some good Tennessee football players since Eric Berry, but you look at his career line while at Tennessee in three years, 245 tackles, 17 and a half TFLs, three sacks, 14 interceptions, three of which were returned all the way for pick sixes. He had 494 interception return yards, four fumble recoveries, two forced fumbles. He was a freshman All-American. He was a unanimous All-American later in his career. He was the fifth overall draft pick. Austin Price, you remember him covering him and recruiting. He turned out to be a, a stud for Tennessee and a guy that I don't think Tennessee's had on campus since, to be completely honest. Well, let's, no. add, let's add to the stat line. He got Austin Price hired at VolQuest.com. <laughs> <laughs> I was setting him up to tell the story. <laughs> Let's put that in the career stat line too, right, AP? The, or, the origins of Uncle AP started in Fairburn, Georgia. Um, we more like we were more like first cousin AP, but older yeah. first cousin AP back then. So uh, you know, and and, and before we before I tell my story, I mean, like when you read all that stat, I mean, like his last year, man. I mean, Monty had him up there playing the pseudo linebacker. Yeah. I mean, like well, Monty you know, had he him back there playing in the secondary as much as he was those first two years. Uh, under John Chavis. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get, this was back when I was writing recruiting articles for the daily times, uh, and John Bryce, and I was doing a video segment for the news Sentinel called the price is right, which was just this little BS, you know, video segment where I gave my score prediction. Please you tell know. me you had the theme music. Um, no, no. And, um, and, and it was just silly. It was just a silly little nonsense, you know, um, that I did each week. And so, but I was, I was in a little bit of grassroots recruiting. That's back when I called, I got in the whitepages.com. See, I didn't have the rivals at the time database or an on three database. Now, um, you know, I, I got a whitepages.com grassroots recruiting. Matt Ray will be able to understand this because this is how Matt started. Um, I looked on whitepages.com. I called all 17 Stevens in Flower Mound, Texas, before I finally got to Nick Stevens. You know, so like back then, like I just had to go see kids. So like I went and saw Eric Berry. And uh, got to the school. It was me, Fred White, Dave Hooker at the time. And I was going down there to do a video piece for the locker room, our Sunday night show here in Knoxville. And I get down there, and it's right before they're leaving to go, you know, to uh, – they're playing Maris, Garrison Hurst High School. And, you know, we, we, you know, we get there, and I've got all these lights and stuff set up because I've got all the TV equipment. Well, Dave Hooker's like – throws his recorder in there. He does his interview for the for new, new Sentinel, and – he goes on to the hotel. Well, I can't do that. So I've got to ride. I ride the team bus to Marist with with Fair, with uh, Creekside, and um, I get there. I meet James Berry. James blown away that someone from Knoxville would come watch Eric play. Hit it off with him. I end up riding back to to Creekside after the game with Evan, Elliot, Carol, and James, the whole Berry family in the Berry minivan. And um, yeah, I get back there. I do the interview with James, with Eric. And when I go to leave, James is like, hey, man, when he when he decides what he's going to do, I'll let you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Like, you know what I mean? And December 10th, I'm almost positive that's the date. You can look it up to see what date he actually committed on. But I think it was December 10th, um, you know, he he called me. It was like a little after, little after 12. And he's like, hey, Eric just called and committed to Coach Fulmer. And I said, no kidding. And I said, does anybody else know? And he goes, no. And I did the interview with Eric, and I 
you know, we got it published at the Daily Times on on the Daily Times website. I don't even know what that is. Is it dailytimes.net or dailytimes.com, whatever it is. Um, you know, and and you know, little old little old Austin beat Brent Hubbs, the guru. And uh, you know, the like the new Sentinel got mad. They're like, Well, that's not fair. Like, you know, you, you know, you, you you can't be doing that. What do you mean I can't be doing that? So they told me at the time, hey, you gotta choose the little BS video segment thing that I did for them or writing recruiting articles for the daily times. Well, I didn't think that was fair because they weren't willing to let me write recruiting articles for them. So I chose the daily times. And then, you know, Brent called me a week or two later and the rest is history. The rest is history. So, you know, that, that that's the, uh, the indoctrination of Austin to ball quest. Brent, yep. how many times since then have you regretted that? How's he going, dandy James Berry? <laughs> now, here, here's where here's where I went. Hey, the answer is never because we just keep kicking everybody's here, ass. Here's where I, here's where I went with this with, with the deal is, I called Eric on that Sunday because there was rumors it was starting to leak out that he was committing. Um, that that something was it was going to happen sooner rather than later. And I called Eric and. Eric gave me the same song and dance that he hadn't made it. You know, he hadn't made a final decision, um, but he was getting close, but he wasn't sure when he was going to do something. And so I had checked the box on that Sunday. Okay. I've got an, I've got my update on him. And then lo and behold, you know, a couple hours later, uh, you know, there's a, a post on the message board that Eric Berry is committed via the daily times. And I was like, not a happy, not a happy camper and um, quickly set up a lunch at, Calhoun's on Kingston Pike with Austin Price and said, all right, let's figure out how to, how to work this thing out. And, and the rest is, is kind of history there on his recruitment. My favorite Eric Berry story for me outside of football is I used to park down where the coach's parking lot is down next to the substation. That's where I used to park down there because I didn't have an H tag. So I would leave the old sports information in Stokely and I would cut through the football complex and you could go down the back steps back before this is back before they expanded the complex. And I could go to my car that way. I only got my windshield knocked out one time down there, by the way. Um, so I, I, that was how would be how I would go home. And so I was leaving one evening in September and I'm walking through and it's on a Thursday because back then Coach Fulmer talked every day after practice. Um, and so I was leaving and I walked through and all the managers are doing helmet scrub in the complex. And I'd, I'd known those managers, gotten to know those guys. So I was, hey, man, what's going on? Da, 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 da. We're standing there, and I look around, and there's Eric Berry. And he's sitting on a chair with the rest of the managers, and he's stickering helmets. And I said, what are you doing? And he was like, I just like hanging out with these guys. That's what I do. It took me two months to convince him that I could write a story about it and to get him to give me a quote about it because he didn't want anybody to know. Because it wasn't – I mean, he would bring them pizzas. He would do different things. But it was just, it was his thing. He didn't want anybody to know that he was there. He wasn't doing it for show. He wasn't doing it for any cameras or any of the, anything like that. He was just hanging out with, with guys that he knew and that he was buddies with. And um, it, it was, it was one of the coolest things that I've seen. I, I don't know. I don't know, Rob, that more guys had fun just playing the college game the way Eric Berry did. He just had, I mean, he had fun. It was, it was a game. He was trying to win. He was competitive as hell and all those things. But but the guy's pure joy for playing the game of football is something that always resonated with me, um, which is cool. That was cool. And and to, he's he's the best several things, but he's the best freshman 
I've ever seen come through here in any sport, like ready to play immediately and not ready to play because you had to play, you know, like this guy got hurt in fall camp. What are we going to do? <clears throat> Gerard Parrish. <here? clears> <throat> I mean, he, he showed up and he was a dude. I mean, he was, he was physically ready to play. And that, that SEC championship game against LSU, both he and Gerard Mayo, those are as good. That's as good of a game performance as I've seen two guys have in, 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 in over 20 years. I mean, they, they were, that 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 were they were big time that night, and and Eric had a lot of nights like that. But he was a for for him to do that as as a freshman, just sick. Well, congratulations to Eric Berry on the College Football Hall of Fame nod. I think it was a no brainer, and uh, now the twenty second Tennessee Volunteer to be in the College Football Hall of Fame had a fantastic NFL career, faced some adversities, but always bounced back from those adversities. Again, when I was, you know, middle school, high school, I mean, Eric Berry was, you know, making plays for Tennessee. So that that's some good childhood memories for me while you guys were out here working, working the beat and writing stories and all that good stuff. Um, Tennessee basketball has been playing some good basketball here lately, especially on the offensive end. We talked about on the Rocky Top Rewind Sunday night, Rob Lewis, but uh, it's number one defense in the nation, of course. But thanks, Olivier Kumwa and Jonas Adu, a career high 15 points and Santiago Vespi continuing to shoot the ball well. Tennessee beat South Carolina and Mississippi State by a combined 77 points last week, squaring up for two big-time rivalry games against Vanderbilt and Kentucky this week inside Thompson Bowling Arena. Yeah, I mean, I, and I try not to get too carried away. I try to, you know, settle down. Mississippi State's not that good. South Carolina is definitely not that good. But still, I, I just don't think you can discount, you know, how well Tennessee played on both ends of the floor in both those games. I think Mississippi State was probably their most complete game of the year when you talk about offense defense take care of the basketball execute the game plan and then they go on the road and, and, and again South Carolina is not very good but crazy stuff happens all the time on the road in college basketball bad teams be good teams good teams show up not ready to play you know bad teams play out of their minds and get hot shooting one night I mean Tennessee just took South Carolina apart uh, in every every phase of the game defense you know, South Carolina shot 25 percent for the game Tennessee doubled them up on the glass um, Tennessee shot over 50%. It was just two really strong performances, and I don't care what the level of competition was. Tennessee's executing at a really high level right now, up to number five in the polls on Monday. I, I definitely think they're a top-five team, and I, and I definitely don't think it's a coincidence. They just played two great games when they got Josiah James back after a month. Rob, big, big picture here a little bit with, with the league. Obviously, Tennessee's not played the best teams in the league. What 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 is your – 10,000 foot view of the league right now and, and kind of where Tennessee factors into the upper part of this league through, through right. you know, two weeks of conference play. I mean, again, small sample size. And, and, and like you say, we've not seen Tennessee against great competition, but I, I think it's Tennessee and Alabama. And unless Arkansas proves otherwise, it's Tennessee and Alabama and everybody else. And, and I mean, I, and about everybody else, I, I think there's still some good teams, but I think Tennessee and Alabama look really good. Like, compete for a final four good now arkansas might get there they've, they've got the talent but i think they're a step below yet auburn to me is certainly an ncaa team I, you know i think they're a step below both alabama and tennessee kentucky looks just good i mean yes. it's it's a mess up there i mean mississippi state they might what do you make missouri that's that's the one hover that that I, i'm not sure i'm, I'm not I'm not pushing all my chips into the middle of the table on Missouri. I mean, that, that can, the Kentucky win, that's a great win for Missouri, but, you know, we, that's not a typical Kentucky team 
I don't think they struggled a little bit with Vanderbilt at home over the weekend in the game. You thought they, they should have been, been a pretty solid favorite in. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm not buying Missouri stock just yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious. They've got my attention for sure. It, it just certainly feels like, through again, three conference games, small sample size, what we've all known all along. Tennessee's defense is going to travel, and if their offense travels with it, they're going to be really near impossible to beat. But when their offense doesn't travel, then things get way more hairy. But, like, when they shoot the ball the way they've shot it the last, you know, two games, I mean, I, I know he's not shot 50 shots, right? But when you say Olivier Kamwa hasn't missed a shot in 2023, <laughs> I mean, like, it, just, it seems so silly to me. But, like, it's the truth. But it's not like he's taking three shots either. He's 15 Correct. for 15. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, it, 15 it's to 15, 31 points and 11 boards his last two games. Ten of those boards came against South Carolina, and that's and where Rick not, Barnes. They're not all bunnies. Yeah. I mean, no. They weren't all layups. I mean, he, he's as good as he's, – he's maybe their best 15-foot jump shooter right now. Rob, I just think that when you look at the quality of depth of this team right now, I mean, this is, I'm just looking at the South Carolina box score right now, but – 19 minutes played from from Adu, 19, of course, from Ziegler, 16 from Mayshack, 17 from James, who's coming off the bench, 10 from Tobey Owaka. This team is deep, and the front line is much better and much deeper than I think any of us thought, you know, coming into the season and, and you know, from what we've seen here to start conference play. that That's a serious strength for Tennessee. Yeah, totally. And I thought it was a serious question mark for me in the preseason. We talked about some of these things on the Rocky Top Rewind last night, but – much, much better rebounding team than I thought they would be. In fact, they're, they're the top rebounding team in the league right now uh, at a little over plus 10 per game. Nobody else is is over plus nine. Uh, Tennessee's been better by a wide margin in that department. And, you, and it, it, it's in large part because of that front line you referenced, Eric. Um, nobody expected Tobey Iwaka to, to be doing what he's doing. Jonas Adu, I mean, there was hope. Certainly, that that you know, optimism that that he could you know take the step that he's apparently taken, but uh, he's been a big piece of the puzzle with a couple of double digit rebound games. But man, Awaka is, it, I mean, he doesn't have huge numbers. But we talked about this last night, fellas. He's he's ninth in the SEC in an offensive rebounding, grounded like a little less than two and a half per game. He's playing. He's averaging eight point four minutes a night. That's that's astounding. Hey, hey, Rob, speak for yourself. I saw Brent Hubbs look at me during football season when a walker would walk by us when we were waiting on media availabilities. And he said, and I quote, AP, I just see Dennis Rodman meets Charles Oakley meets Anthony Mason. And I yeah, said, buddy. boom. <laughs> I didn't re- in the fall, I didn't recognize who Tobey Awanka was walking through the complex at, at that point in time, AP. Uh, what a story though, Rob. I mean, and again, I mean, Tennessee found Zakai Ziegler late, you know, and it worked out for him. Here's another guy that Ziegler knows that, that they go and get late. And I mean, th- this guy's got a chance to be, I mean, for, for years for Rick Barnes in this program, a, a big time, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be a great scorer, but for what they ask him to do, I mean, the guy loves to rebound the basketball. What a great find in, in the summertime for Rick Barnes. That's fantastic. Um, it, to me, whatever his potential is, Hubbard, I don't know if he's going to be a great scorer either. But whatever his potential is, he will get there because he is a conscientious, hardworking kid. Love, you know, is fine with being coached hard like you get in this program. Um, super intelligent guy, understands the game, understands his role. That's one of the things I love the most about him is 
unlike just about any freshman you ever see, no matter how talented, he just doesn't try to do too much. He knows what his lane is, and he stays in it. I'm out here to play defense and rebound. You know, if I get a if I get an easy one, if I get a bunny, I'm going to take advantage of it. But I'm, I'm going to do my job and and not and not get out of my lane. And I think that's one thing that coaches absolutely love about him because with so many freshmen, so often you just worry. You know, they, they they can say all the right things and they get out there in a, in a you know a pressure situation and just lose their minds. And Tobin's well, I mean, not, yeah, not I mean, look at that. look at a, a year ago. I mean, they they like Jemiah Maychak from a defensive standpoint, Rob, but he might get the ball in the offensive end and it might be a walk or a charge. I mean, he, he was such a liability for them offensively that they they if they were going to play him, it was you know they were platooning, right? It was just situational basketball, offense for defense. But you're right with with Tobey. I mean. If he knows he's not supposed to be shooting a shot and he's not going to be shooting something or trying to do something on the offensive end, then there's a trust factor for the coaching staff that his minutes could increase as the season goes along without the offensive or without enhanced expectations for him outside of what his role is right now, just because they trust him. Yep. Totally agree. And and, and to Eric's point, the depth is is admirable. I, I, don't, I don't think Rick's – in fact, I know, I know Rick Stott had a team with this much depth. Uh, I know Hubbard, me and you have both questioned whether he would, you know, utilize it. Would he, would he got to get out of his own or what we perceive, perceive his own comfort zone to be and playing, you know, seven, eight guys, maybe with a ninth guy who's a utility or an emergency dude. But he's he's been – he looks committed to finding ways to put, get minutes for ten guys every night. Hey, Rob, quickly, what, is, what does Vanderbilt Kentucky look like? Uh, a quick little scouting report for this week. Uh, Vanderbilt looks to me, and again, maybe I'm oversimplifying, <laughs> it looks to me a lot like they've looked, you know, in, in the last few years. They won their first one, or uh, first league game over uh, South Carolina in overtime the other night. We all saw that same South Carolina team th- this past weekend that, you know, Tennessee handled with ease. Um, p- playing without Scotty Pippen Jr. this year, big hole. They, they have a tough time scoring the basketball. Their leading score is barely over over ten points a game. Um, I'll, you know, Vanderbilt has had a tendency to play Tennessee tough, even though Tennessee's won ten in a row in this one. I just I don't think Vanderbilt can. Uh, they'll have a very very hard time scoring on Tennessee tomorrow. I don't know. I, I might try to find some kind of a futures bet for you, Eric Kane, where you they, Tennessee holds Vanderbilt under under fifty points in this one. Would be the tenth opponent they've done so. Ooh, that's a lot. Uh, last order of business, Tennessee linebacker Juwan Mitchell is not going to be with the football team, enters the transfer portal yesterday. Stunned. Stunned. Brent Hubs, what does this mean for the linebacker room that's got a whole lot of youth? It's got Aaron Beasley coming back. You've added a linebacker from BYU and Keenan Peely, uh, but you do not have you do not have Juwan Mitchell now. Well, I mean, I think they added Peely because they knew they weren't going to have Juwan Mitchell, right, Austin? There yeah. we that, go. That, 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 this is not a shock to anybody at Tennessee. But by, by and, and and it shouldn't be a shock to anyone who's listened to Volquest and their podcast videos, read the message board. We've been talking about Jawan Mitchell being gone since December fifteenth, easily December fifteenth. So for Tennessee now, just trying to bring up those younger guys, and it's going to be a big spring. I feel like for for a lot of those guys, like Elijah Herring, going to be a huge spring for him. Uh, you know, for some of those guys who are just brand new, Aaron Carter and you know Jeremiah Tinland or Jalen Smith, a big opportunity for those guys. But but again, I feel like the the bulk. You feel good about Beasley coming back. Peely, a guy that's played an awful lot. They're going to kind of shoulder that load there. And for Juwan Mitchell, he really only played in eight games this year. Missed a couple of games. 
Of course, had some type of suspension in the Orange Bowl. I think Brian John Marie still likes his group and likes what they have behind Mitchell, and it made it easy to easier to say goodbye. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Jawan Mitchell did some good things. Uh, he had a hard time getting healthy. Uh, he had a hard time doing all the right things that the coaching staff wanted him to do. Um, that's why you didn't see him in the Orange Bowl uh, the, the way that that you wanted. Aaron Beasley kind of took over that room. They liked the youth behind them. Uh, that they, they want to bring a little experience beyond, and, and they went one for one here. And, and um, Mitchell's heading on elsewhere, looking for his third school to play for. And, and Tennessee feels like they've got a veteran uh, in Peely who fits the culture in the room, who can help develop those five guys uh, who were freshmen and sophomore in that linebacker room for Brian Jean Marie to to really build a nice nice core of linebackers uh, for the for the next coming years for Tennessee not just for one year they they could be in a situation where they're pretty solid at that position Austin for the next couple of years that's right they, they, they like the five they brought in the last two years they obviously feel like Beasley is is someone who continues to get better and is really bought in under BJ and they like what Peely brings from a veteran um, big thumper linebacker I, I will say this, I, you know, you've got a few days left before you go into, the, you know, the kids can, uh, before the portal closes and you can't go in until spring. Um, I still think there's a, a possibility that Tennessee, you know, sees some more movement, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And and I wouldn't, Hubbard, AP, wouldn't you guys say, and I, I'm not trying to cast huge aspersions on anybody, would you say the culture in that linebacker room has the potential to be a lot better this season than last? I think there's a chance that there's a lot less drama in that room. And I think from that standpoint, yes, Rob, that 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 takes out uh, some of the, some of the mystery and some of the day to day unknowns because I think you feel like that you got a group of guys in there who are, um, you know, who are all aligned for for everything that you need to be. And I, I'm not I'm not ripping on the. I mean, Jeremy Banks left it all on the field for Tennessee when he played. Uh, there's not any question about that. It's just Austin. Sunday through Friday, it was always a, a, a bit of a wonder of what was what might be coming next. On Saturday, it was not an issue, but during yep. the week, there was concerns of what might be coming next. I think you had some of that with Jawan Mitchell as well. Yeah, that's right. Again, like, you know, I mean, it, it, we're not talking about like major, major things. But not I mean, saying anybody's a terrible kid. Yeah, all. a bunch of little things just add up, right? Like being late to things and 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 all that stuff. It just adds up, and it's you know. When you're late to 47 things and coaches have to eventually hold you accountable, like that's on you, right? Like, you know, the coach can't, you know, it, it's like if, if I let my seven-year-old get away with something that I don't let my nine-year-old get away with, then my nine-year-old's going to go, you know what? Probably not going to keep uh, abiding by the rules. And so you have to eventually hold some people accountable, and that's, you know, what it boils down in my opinion. So it's been a busy week for Tennessee, and hey, it's only Tuesday. Could get even busier with additions from the transfer portal, guys going into the transfer portal, team news, basketball, a whole lot more. And uh, you guys can always stay up to date. It's the best in the business, FallQuest.com, and of course, FallQuest on YouTube. Like this video. Let's get it to 500 likes. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. we got plenty more to get into throughout the week, including the Mailbag Podcast. That is coming up on Thursday. But for Austin Price, Rob Lewis, Brent Hubbs, I am Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for hanging out with us here today. This has been the VolQuest podcast here on a Tuesday. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.